calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for $3.89 a month for 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease to Chrysler Capital. Extra charge for miles over 20000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Everyone and welcome to a brand new spoiler review for episode one of What If he- What If here from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Well, we are back here again to talk about another Marvel show happening here on Disney Plus. We're excited to do so. We're going to get into all kinds of things with this episode one of the much anticipated. What if animated series from Disney Plus and Marvel, as we said, we need to all of it. So this is your first of maybe two spoiler warnings. Uh, but first, let's introduce ourselves. Let's go around the horn. Uh, I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer and host here on the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Mike. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. 
Shan. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and 911. And joining us again and very graciously with her time, we're excited to have her back hanging out with us uh, for another Marvel review is the great Emma Fife. Emma, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, just, you know, living living life, uh, doing my my new job. I'm a gaming content producer uh, over at Fandom Now, creating Woo! stuff for their Gaming vertical for the video channel. Work on a lot of branded content. Uh, yeah, wow. good, lots of good stuff coming down the pipeline. So that's awesome. Yeah, you never know. You never know where Emma Five is gonna pop up. You never know where I she's know. gonna. True. But it's it's, it's such true. an interesting road you've taken, and such and you always do great work in all the jobs you you take Thank on you. and all the challenges. So who knows? One day she's gonna be running a channel, and maybe hiring the three of us to keep doing this show. <laughs> I think that's possible in the future. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun to step into this. And of course, we wanted to uh, do this with Emma to talk about this incredible first episode, uh, basically uh, exploring the world of what would happen if it had been uh, Captain Peggy or had it been Peggy Carter who took the serum and became Captain Carter, a.k.a. Captain Britain uh, in the uh, world of the MCU. What would happen from here? I'm going to start with Emma as the sole woman on this panel. Please tell me your overall thoughts about this episode. I'm sure you were looking forward to it. Did it overall satisfy you? And do you feel like this is a great start to this series? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Peggy Carter as a character. And mm. I think that one of the things that I really loved about Peggy upon her introduction into the MCU in Captain America First Avenger was that I felt that there was this incredibly well-written, interesting, nuanced female character who was capable and had a lot of agency and was heroic in her own right hmm. without taking away any of her feminine qualities. She was an incredibly feminine character. And that's one of the things that I really, really like about her. Mm -hmm. That being said, I didn't feel that in her becoming Captain Peggy Carter, Captain Britain, that she was particularly stripped of her feminine yeah. qualities. But I do think that that one of the things that I like about Peggy is the fact that she is somebody who you could realistically almost believe existing in that time period. Mm. And this was a little bit of a stretch, which again, was not a bad thing. I still really enjoyed it, but I do think it, it kind of took away some of the things that I really love about Peggy. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. This is going to be fun now. I'm really <laughs> excited about this now. Michael, you know, we saw uh, Haley Atwell, of course, reprise the role of Peggy Carter. Certainly there must have been a groundswell of support for her in this role after she got out of Captain America, the first Avenger, to create uh, the Agent Carter series for a couple of seasons on ABC. Now we circle back to her to kind of launch this what if. What did you think about this episode overall? I, overall, I loved it. I mean, I've been super excited for this series for a while, mm -hmm. and every little new piece of information, new piece of animation, new piece of anything we found out uh, got me even more excited. And so, like, it definitely delivered. I didn't actually think about what Emma is saying until mm. Emma just said it. And I will say that, like, it's interesting. I love this. I am excited about Captain Carter. I hope we see Captain Carter live action. I love Haley Atwell. I love this yeah. character. I would love to see this. But Emma does bring up a good point that... 
this what it like i was a big fan of agent carter uh the tv mm -hmm. series yeah. uh and a big part of what makes peggy carter an interesting character particularly in agent carter is kind of what emma's talking about is that you're watching a woman who is living in a world where she's not able to do all the things that she's clearly capable of doing yeah. and watching her figure out the ways around it and still overcome those obstacles and do it giving her the super soldier serum is kind of a giant like well <laughs> This is a different road. And so right. Emma's right. It is a very different road. Uh, I, I don't, I, I think they did work really hard to still keep her Peggy Carter. And I mm -hmm. think they did a good job with that. But Emma yeah. brings up a good point. But overall, and I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail, but just the style of the animation, the yeah. 2D effects with the CG characters and the tune shading, everything like, I thought this was like such a home run. And of all the things that they've been doing on Disney Plus, I, I I didn't think I would have said this early on, but what if may end up being my favorite? We'll see. Wow, wow, wow. that's a strong statement for sure. Uh, Shannon, what did you think about this episode overall? What do you think about what Emma has brought up here and how Michael has followed up on it? I mean, the the points that Emma brought up are something I completely had not even factored, mm -hmm. and and I think that's why Emma is a valuable member of the panel. Is, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is point things out excuse me point things out that we we may not consider right away mm -hmm. um that being said uh without a doubt of the disney plus series this is my favorite first episode um captain america first avenger is one of my favorite marvel movies um yeah how much it harkens to raiders of the lost ark um is a big reason and captain carter was the, it was the same like it, it mm -hmm. still had that same feeling um you know Haley atwell's uh uh entrance into the marvel cinematic universe uh she was so popular that you know they gave her the one shot that mm -hmm. was that right. which is where they introduced right. bradley whitford's character of uh colonel flynn um and then that is what then got her the television series so clearly marvel fans love her as this character and, and i think the regular movie going public loves her as this character and mm -hmm. here's hoping we get to see more of her i mean every like the animation style i know i had talked about before i was kind of like ah, the lip flap looks a little weird um once i kind of got into the world and it didn't take long it took about mm -hmm. a minute or two once i was kind of into the world all the issues that i had had from the promotional materials were completely gone um and just i just love the style i love the vibe i love um josh keaton as skinny steve rogers I did know. such an amazing job um and bradley whitford you know mm -hmm. uh was Great. also he just plays a wonderful dickhead um it was just <laughs> yeah i mean i just, from beginning to end i've watched it three times now i enjoyed yeah. i enjoyed the heck out of it yeah, Bradley Whitford going back to his 80s roots as the, the, the bad guy in numerous films in the 80s, for sure. Yeah. Giving William, <laughs> William Zabka a run for his money, for sure, from that time. Uh, you, know, yeah. you know Colonel Flynn is related to uh, that guy from Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh totally, yeah. Totally. Yeah, but so much to explore. I, I liked it as well. I really enjoyed the the, the opening of this uh, of this Captain Carter, uh, sorry, of this, of this uh, What If series with Captain Carter. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt watching it the second second time that I, w I wonder what it would be like to watch this if you haven't seen Captain America the first Avenger would you because they jump mm. forward in a lot of these instances would you go along with these jumps would this feel kind of jarring to jump to this and then jump to that and then Bucky got captured well I didn't even know that Bucky got captured like that's an interesting thing to explore what it would be like to watch this if you hadn't seen that film uh so uh, but other than that I really enjoyed the animation I loved Haley Atwell I mean 
you could bring in Josh Keaton, who's a seasoned professional as a voiceover guy. Of course, it does a great job with skinny Steve Rogers. But Haley Atwell is incredible voice in this character. You know, this character is in her bones and you can hear it in the voice and what she's doing. And um, which is some of the other voiceover actors didn't get a chance. The actors coming back to really showcase what they can do. You really got a chance to hear Peggy or uh, Haley kind of slide in to Peggy. Like, I don't know, just like a, an old shoe. It just fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it was great to, to watch that. But Emma. I agree with the other two uh, gentlemen on this panel. You bring up excellent points, and that's why we're very glad to have you on the show to show us the woman's point of view of this. Because, yeah, this idea, we're caught up as dudes like, yeah, she can fight, she can kick ass, blah, blah, blah. But your point of view is so, so interesting for us to look at. Like, hey, but the thing that was great about her is that she didn't need to do all that shit to be a kick-ass person and so yes. i was like oh okay so we got to take a look at that so i like that so let well, i'm sure we'll touch on those points as we go along here we're going to jump into the episode now final spoiler warning if you haven't seen the episode go and watch it then come on back and hang out with us we're going to take it section by section or chunk by chunk throughout this episode for sure this one is directed by brian andrews it's written by ac bradley who is the overall executive producer of the series and the story editor is matthew chauncey we do have Haley atwell josh keaton as we mentioned but sebastian stan neil mcdonough bradley whitver stanley tucci and Ross Marquand coming back to do Red Skull. So let's get into it. So the episode starts with The Watcher, who is voiced by Jeffrey Wright, uh, explaining the series, time, space, reality, a prism of endless possibilities, says he's The Watcher, that he's your guide through our vast new realities. If you're old enough to remember this, this is some Twilight Zone opening, and it feels very, very familiar, which I love. But we start out with this narration that's essentially encapsulating what happened in Captain America, the first Avenger, but then we head to a new reality. Captain Carter and Skinny Steve Rogers are talking together about the war, why the super soldier program is important, before he heads into the chamber to get his dose. All of this feels very familiar. The Watcher reveals to us that in this reality, when Dr. Abraham Erskine, who of course is Stanley Tucci coming back, wonders aloud if Peggy might not be happier in the booth, she stays. And the Watcher tells us this is the decision that changes this reality. We move to Steve getting in the chamber as Erskine explains the process, but Peggy spots a cigarette case and the spy who is about to ignite it but she spots it just a second too late and an explosion happens in the lab. The same spy shoots a military guy, which I think is Tommy Lee Jones's character, uh, and then shoots Steve twice before grabbing the one vial, before grabbing one vial of super soldier serum. Peggy shoots the spy herself and he drops the serum. Steve can't go in the chamber. Now, much to the chagrin of Colonel John Flynn, and neither will Howard Stark because he just pushes buttons. So Peggy makes the split decision to jump in, and Howard pushes those buttons, much to Colonel Flynn's anger, pulls down those levers, and Peggy is turned into Captain Carter, and she looks awesome. Michael, heck of a beginning. We end with her standing there strong and taller than Howard, which mirrors what we saw in First Avenger. What did you think about this whole opening here for this episode? Um, I totally agree with you. Like the whole opening with the watcher, very cool, like great Mm. framing device for the series. Jeffrey Wright's voice, you know, I mean, I don't know that we're going to ever see more of the watcher than we do as far as the, uh, the starry face in the sky with the eye that, you know, like, and we might not Jeffrey Wright's voice completely sells me on you are an all knowing, all seeing, uh, observer who is not going to interfere, but is just going to lead us through this journey. So I think it's a really great opening. You know, they do a really good job of kind of setting up. I, I, I think we've talked about this on Geek Buddies a lot, and I think we talked mm. about it in our Loki reviews, just that 
If you are a fan of Marvel, you read these what if comics, you understand multiverses, yeah. like you were ready for what if. But I yeah. think through, they've taken the general audience on a nice baby step journey to get to the point where all of our non-comic book friends can watch this and he can be like, there's a lot of realities. One choice changed everything. And you're like, okay, I got it. I'm on board. Yeah. I'm in. Um, so that was really cool. The entire opening was really, really cool. What I kind, what I enjoyed, I was watching it with my brother. Even though her staying in the room is the main difference, there's a right. lot of little differences oh, yeah. that kind of reset things. Like the entire conversation that she and little uh, she and uh, little Steve, she and she and <laughs> regular Steve, she and Steve Rogers, uh, the conversation they have. Uh, sets up this implication that for now at least he's going to be the only soldier. Like she says, right. you might be the one to start the war, which is a little bit different than the movie where the whole idea is they're going to make a whole army of super soldiers mm-hmm. right away. And they set that up because once everything goes to shit, Howard Stark makes it really clear like, you have to do it now. We can't stop. We can't right. wait. And like they make it very immediate so that it makes sense that Peggy will jump in there. And then, of course, like everybody's down on the floor in this reality as opposed to up in the room, um, which kind of just like helps us consolidate the action and everything. Thing. And I really love, we'll keep, we'll keep coming up to it because it comes up so much. I love that the big difference, the choice that she makes that the Watcher points out is that she stays in the room. Mm-hmm. Because between Colonel Flynn and her, this whole idea of being a woman who, as Colonel Flynn says, you're lucky to be in the room or you don't mm-hmm. belong in the room. Mm-hmm. The fact that she stayed in the room sort of thematically is great that that's the little gif- difference. That's the choice. Yeah. Um, the animation in all of this epic. Uh, one of the things that I wasn't quite expecting and I think works so well in the show is they made a big deal. We all knew that it was going to be kind of this CG show that was tune shaded. So you have like these CG models that are kind of painted to look a little bit more t- 2D with these beautiful uh, kind of painted backgrounds. But all of the effects, all of the explosions, the smoke, the fire, all of that stuff is 2D effects. Mm. And the seeing 2D effects on top of these very detailed painted backgrounds with these CG characters, like the blend of all of it really makes it feel unique and like something I haven't really seen before. Mm. Um, the whole scene is great. The action is awesome. I, I'll keep coming back to this. Howard Stark is really getting his due in this show. Oh, man yeah. has ne- man yeah. has never been as funny or as enjoyable. And I include he was really fun in Agent Carter the series, but he is really getting to like I'm like shit. I would go watch the adventures of Peggy and Howard Stark back in the '40s. Like I want to see more of this, which yeah. I guess would be Agent Carter. So I guess I can. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus. But uh, but yeah, so it was all really really fantastic and just loved seeing all of this play out and and the mix of the new and familiar like the little changes plus the things that we know like you said john like she comes Mm -hmm. out and the first thing howard stark says is i guess you're not going to need heels anymore just like when peggy in captain america the first avenger says steve how do you feel and he's like taller so the first joke is sort of a tall joke like it's just really great how they're kind of finding those ways to mirror everything yeah yeah uh, agreed uh emma uh this is uh, in my opinion i agree with michael i think this is a great intro to this whole episode here seeing her uh you know uh, being uh fighting off the spy getting the super soldier and making the decision it's a powerful decision she makes uh to stay over the protestations of colonel flynn what did you think about this opening uh for this episode yeah i mean this is one of those moments pre her becoming the super soldier that Mm. again is just so true to who peggy carter is as a character so again it's like i i also really appreciate that the big difference was that she chose to remain in the room a place where men actively had an objection to her being because that is peggy carter as a character is her constantly being in these situations where men object to her being there i also loved that Howard Stark pushed the button. That made me so happy. It really did. Because again, it's like you do, you have Colonel Flynn who is like, 
oh no, you're you're totally out of line. There's no way you can possibly do this. And Howard Sark's like, well, I don't know. I just push the buttons. Uh, yeah. And as as Mike points out, it is really fun to get to see that character have fun things to do because mm-hmm. so often I feel like in in the movies he's kind of a a disembodied afterthought or he's just yeah. not super present in it and and I agree that it it it's like it was so fun having him in the series Agent Carter I think particularly uh in the second season where he was trying to run a movie studio that was really fun um and so to and so again it's like with Howard Stark being on screen it was like oh that's Howard Stark I love that I love this era Howard Stark that's so fun yeah. um and uh and, and so I think that's a lot of what this opening sequence was for me was was just watching and going, oh, oh, yeah, I really liked that thing in Captain America First Avenger and just kind of bringing that all back around. And again, even though I do think that by making Peggy Carter Captain Carter, you are taking away some of what I really, really love about her. The way that she gets there is so fundamentally her. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, just just like we get with uh, uh, when Steve becomes Captain America, it's just a, a, a you know a bigger extension of who he is yeah. naturally as a person. Exactly. What we're getting in Peggy is that. So still, yeah. the the as you said earlier, the foundation of Peggy is still there, just a little more augmented in this situation. So yes. something to keep tabs on as we walk through this. Uh, uh, Shannon, what did you think about this opening? And am I wrong? Is that Tommy Lee Jones getting killed, or am I? Is that, that someone else? No, you're right. No, no, that's him. That's him. That's, that's him. Isn't? Okay, and that's they couldn't the get reason. him for a, a for a scream or anything i guess not well right. maybe maybe not i mean i mean they did have a whole an additional voices cast and i'm sure one of them did the uh, as he hit the ground but uh but because he was killed that's why colonel flynn then became in charge right of the, of the you know what would become the ssr um right. yeah that was one of those decisions that i was like oh that's so smart um mm-hmm. because you want to you, you know for this particular story you need that antagonist that's up right. against peggy and tommy lee jones even though they didn't always see eye to eye for the most part they were on the level like they were on the same yeah. team as they established it in the one shot like colonel flynn he is very much not in Peggy's camp. So having him as sort of her first um, story obstacle made perfect sense. Um, I I just love how the relationship, and and again, this is a lot of credit to uh, Haley Atwell and and Josh Keaton, how the relationship that has been established with Chris Evans and Haley Atwell is fully there between Josh Keaton and Haley Atwell. I mean, their work is just so fantastic. Um, I thought it was interesting that we did not see the fate of Dr. Erskine. Like, uh, you know, oh, in, the, yeah. in the movie, that's, that's, the, that's the big moment for Steve. But right. Peggy was not necessarily as close to Erskine as Steve was. I mean, Steve right. was the one that, you know, mm-hmm. that lied to him. That, that you know, that he was the reason that Steve was, was chosen. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, everything about it. I mean, I thought I, I loved how, you know, it's still Richard Armitage, even though we don't listen to him. It's still Richard Armitage is, <laughs> is the spy. Everything about it was awesome. And Dominic Cooper's work as Howard Stark. I mean, as, oh. as everyone else has already said, I mean, he is really uh, uh, straddling that line yeah. between realism this with this transatlantic accent and just being a little too broad but he's right there in the sweet spot and the moment that peggy decides to jump in is agent carter yes i mean it's so so satisfying if anybody is a fan of legend of Korra. Uh, Howard Stark in this gives me such Varric vibes. <laughs> oh my that god! It, it like it just it, there's there's several points where I'm like, so you're just Varric, like you're Varric is what's happening right now. Um, the other thing, Emma, I'm curious what you think about this. I actually didn't think about this until you were talking, but one of the things they did, and Howard Stark was always this way, and I think this was a lot yeah. of the relationship in Agent Carter as well. But 
in this version of the story, he is so on her side right away. And it's interesting that someone who is notoriously defined as a womanizer Mm. is actually also the person that is 100% like pro Peggy Carter all the way. And I think it's like a nice, it's a nice shade on him. Like Mm. I enjoy it about him. Well, I think so too. And I, I think that it adds almost a level of, I, it's like an interesting level of realism almost mm-hmm. in a way, I think, to that character because they are not stereotyping him as the womanizer who is a misogynist, who's like, right. but this, he's like a womanizer because he's like truly loves women. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, I agree. As that's long as everyone's point. on board and you're not trying to like wipe him down or something, like mm. you go for it. Like, you know? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Dominic Moore. That's. That's a wonderful phrase. <laughs> that's you wipe me down. Wipe me down. That's going to be on the next Geek Buddy shirt. I know it. Uh, but yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, Dominic Cooper deserves all kinds of credit for what he's doing. This guy. I'm sure he was incredibly excited to be able to do more in this role for sure, as you guys have pointed out so well. Also, uh, Shannon, just to echo your your, your thoughts about Josh Keaton, uh, he does a fantastic job of sounding like his version of Steve Rogers, but also in certain moments mimicking the patterns of yeah. uh, of of uh, Chris Evans in his portrayal of Steve Rogers, which I think is brilliant. That's not an easy thing to do, and that's why you get a seasoned pro like Josh Keaton to step into this role. All right, let's move on. Colonel Flint is pissed because it's a girl, and he wants to charge her for subordination for becoming uh, uh, the super soldier. Peggy is not happy, and Flint pulls some real misogynistic BS about women not being soldiers or fighting on the front lines because they might, quote, break a nail. Peggy is working out angrily, which mirrors, of course, what we've seen before with Captain America in the live action, punching that punching bag. But her throwing those plates against the wall is some scary ass shit. Uh, Steve Rogers is there, says it could be worse. She could be on a USO tour. A little wink to everybody who's seen First Avenger. But just then, Bucky marches by, and they have a. Uh, he mentions that he's oh. his best friend and whatever, and they have a sweet exchange about dancing and finding the right partner. Then we cut to Hydra pulling into Tonsberg in Norway with Red Skull to find the Tesseract. This is basically the same scene that we saw in Captain America First Avenger. Howard and Peggy are game planning. We go back to them, but Flynn keeps shooting down their plans to send Peggy into battle. Talk about how she's lucky to even be in the room, as Michael pointed out, this running thing. Peg. Then we cut to Peggy and Howard at a bar. He hands her a new costume and a shield. We cut to Berlin, and Peggy is fighting these Nazis. She's kicking the crap out of them and kills a bunch of them. She's also a bit surprised about what she's able to do as this super soldier, which is a fun, unexpected color in the scene. Great action and fighting sequences here. And then the big German steps out to fight the, quote, fragile Fraulein. And she snaps his leg uh, uh, and knocks him out, kidnaps Arnim Zola, recovers the Tesseract, puts it on Flynn's desk as an F.U., he protests yet again, and she says, you better promote me to captain, and tells Howard, I trust you know what to do with that Tesseract. And we cut to him asking if Steve is ready to join the war effort and using his tools to build something, but we don't know what. Emma, I know that's a lot to cover, but I got to crunch this stuff in. Tell me about this whole sequence. Of course, as, as, as Shannon pointed out, Flynn is now our antagonist, but Peggy is piece by piece embracing what she wants to do here, and she's being helped by Howard Stark, as you both, you and Mike pointed out here. Yeah, I also think, too, that one of my favorite things about this episode of What If, which was Mm. so focused on Peggy, but it was also really focused on the relationship between Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers. And that's something that didn't get neglected because 
she became the one that was in focus like that mm -hmm. that again it's one of the things that i loved about captain america first avenger is i felt yeah. that she was just as central to the story as he was and here he's still really central to the story and that their relationship is something that is very important and that like blossoms no matter what the circumstance <laughs> is uh and i found that to be very adorable i I, again, just I, I got so excited when Bucky showed up and they, they well, I mean, we didn't technically see him at this point, but they mentioned as he's like walking by the window, who's Bucky. And again, it's like tying back into everything we know to be true about yeah. the main timeline of the MCU, but just seeing it from a different perspective if something had happened differently. Uh, I, I, uh, I love, again, the relationship between uh, Peggy and Howard Stark, mm -hmm. uh, him being so, so supportive of her and just totally being team Peggy. And again, the, you know, the sort of like revelation of, okay, this is what your suit looks like. And it's, and again, it like, it makes perfect sense. It's just, it's a, it's a British version of yeah. the Captain America suit. <laughs> it's a Union Jack instead of yep. Stars and Stripes. Um, and that, and, and that's, all of that is just fun. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so, and, and, you know, as much as what I really love about Peggy Carter fundamentally as a character is that she is a woman that exists in a world that's constantly telling her no, but she manages to skirt around it because she's very, very clever. Right. Uh, it's still kind of fun to see her punch through it. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you like the action sequences? In I her? did. I mean, like, they didn't pull punches, as I said here. She oh, is killing no. these Nazis. Yeah. So did you expect that? Did you think it was going to be a little more cartoonish? Did you anticipate they'd be more real with how they were uh, uh, implementing her powers? No, I think that the people that are making this show have a lot of respect for Peggy as a character. Yeah. And if they're going to have her be Captain America, essentially, except, you know, Captain Carter they're going to let her do that. And they're yeah. not going to be like, well, it's a girl version of that. It's like, no, it's just this. It's the same thing, but happens to be a woman. Right. Right. Uh, Shannon, a lot of action sequences for you to talk about. You are the action sequence guy who writes these things in these scripts uh -huh. as well, but talk to me about the, what you thought about some of the action sequence here that we finally get to see her in motion as essentially the captain Carter before she becomes captain Carter officially. Uh, and her relationship as Emma mentioned with Steve Rogers getting even more uh, deeper uh, here in these exchanges between them and Howard Stark. Uh, that was the strongest part of the episode to me was the continuing, uh, as Emma put it, the blossoming relationship between Peggy and Steve. The fact that they were thrown together because of that super soldier program. The yeah. moment that she gets the serum and he doesn't, there's no uh, necessary communication between yeah. them that needs to happen. Like yeah. He's no longer like he he's it looks like he, he has a, he walks with a cane. He has yep. a limp. He, he like there would be no reason for him to be there other than the fact that he and Peggy have made this connection mm -hmm. and they keep making that connection. Like he still he, he talks about Bucky. He talks about the 107 being shipped off. Um, it's just so fantastic. And I will also agree with you, John, her throwing those those barbell plates. Um, <laughs> holy crap. No, <laughs> I mean, it's, again, so satisfying. And then her getting to berlin and yes the the scene where she talks i can't remember the, the the term that she used but basically um uh the costume lacks some subtlety he's like well you're not gonna like this enormous <laughs> so shield with the union jack in the center the action was just dynamite and you know we've seen that shot of her hitting the the jeep with the mm. shield and basically able to kind of backflip it we've yeah. seen that from like the very beginning from the marketing and yeah. it's i mean that i think that's that's a, a telltale sign of an action of a move like when you can see it in the marketing and then when you actually watch it 
uh, either in the television show or the movie, it still has the same resonance. It's so freaking awesome. And, you know, she surprises herself. Like, all the training that she's been doing, she she doesn't realize she hasn't even scratched the surface of what physically she can do. Yeah. I mean, I love the 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 German mechanic, the the nod to Raiders, that guy that comes out. Yeah. And she just... I mean, I mean that's a full-on nod to Raiders, and yeah. that the, she just dispose of disposes of him just like that, and then her slamming that tesseract down on Colonel Flynn's desk. Yes, the whole I, I love this episode, and yes, yeah. I, everything was just um, uh, immensely satisfying. Well, Mike, uh, we, we got the tesseract in this situation. She gets it back from Zola. We get the to- you Toby Jones coming in for like a few lines in this episode. That's it. <laughs> but but he, he, he makes him live, though. He ma- he brings him to life in in such a fun way. But we also get a little more. We get Marquan now outside of what we've seen him do with Red Skull in uh, Infinity War. We really get an Endgame. We really get to see him here have these uh, do these lines, and it, it really, if you close your eyes. It's tough to delineate between him and Hugo Weaving. It's different. Josh Keaton is creating his versus Steve Rogers. This is essentially almost the same Red Skull performance. Yeah. He's doing a fantastic job. What do you think about that? And what do you think about uh, the the uh, the ever blossoming antagonism of uh, Colonel John Flynn in this whole situation? Uh, yeah, I thought it was all great. So yeah, I mean, I thought the Red Skull stuff was super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really enjoyed is that they. Uh, you know, more or less him getting the Tesseract uh, until Peggy gets it almost plays exactly the same. There's two key differences that are interesting. Uh, In the Captain America, the first Avenger, the movie, uh, when he gets the Tesseract, he just refers to it as the Jewel of Odin's Treasure Room. Mm. Uh, In the show, he gives us a little bit more information that shows he knows a bit more about the Tesseract since we know more about the Tesseract. He says it's the Jewel of Odin's Treasure Room, fabled to hold the power to rewrite the very laws of physics and unlock doors throughout the universe, which... Yeah, it's the space stone. That's what it does. Uh, so, so he's so everyone's a little bit more uh, tesseract literate. Uh, you know, Howard Stark is, Red Skull is. He also, when he's looking at the giant um, carving where he presses the button, which is the same thing, the same carving from the movie. He yeah. also sees another new piece of the carving that's not in the movie, which is a giant circle with the tesseract at the center with a bunch of tentacles coming out, which we know is important uh, for the end of this episode. So, right. it's really cool how they give us virtually the exact same episode, but with a couple key differences that really set us up for what this version of the story is going to be. What I think is really great, echo everything that everyone else said about Steve and Peggy. I think, you know, we know that what's cool about What If is the things that are different, Mm -hmm. but I think the, the other part that makes What If work is that they also know when things need to be the same. Like there's there's a coolness in oh Peggy's the super soldier instead of Steve. But we what we love about what ifs is that no matter what reality you're in, Peggy and Steve are connected. Yeah. You know, like Red Skull is always gonna Red Skull. Like certain things like a Stark is gonna build a suit. Like there's things that like when when things go different, it's where they veer back to the familiar that mm-hmm. I think really makes what if magical. Like I think that's what's really, really great. Did you like the kind of childlike innocence she's having and discovering her powers? You know, we've seen superheroes for the last, what, uh, 13 years, Mike? We see them, hey, I got powers. Uh, was th- was this a nice color to see on Peggy she- using her super soldier powers and like having a running, she's essentially commentating on her own powers yeah. as she's using them. What would you think about that? I think so. Uh, you know, to to me, and Emma, I'm curious what you think about. Like, that's kind of what I liked about Peggy Carter in Agent Carter the series. Mm, is there what she right. did get really excited about things? Like, she never, they never made her 
if you, as a female hero trying to make it in a man's world, she yeah. always did it in a very female way. And like having yes. that sort of joy and that glee in those moments where she's battling, I think actually feels very Peggy Carter to me. You know, like yeah. Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers in First Avenger, he gets that super soldier serum and granted, he's chasing that guy right off the gate. Erskine right. just died. He's in it, but he's just, you see a couple moments of, oh wow, I could do that. Yeah. But there's not this, this is amazing. And I thought that was right. so sweet and fun yeah. and cool. Uh, the other thing to your point, Johnny, yeah. I think with animation, we are so used to action animation being kid shows. Right. And in kid shows, you have S&P rules. You have standards and practices. Mm -hmm. You have things you can't do. So that's why in Batman the Animated Series or Thundercats or Transformers or take your pick of shows, mm -hmm. you don't see people dying. You always yeah. have to see it's the it's the famous G.I. Joe, like we shot down the Cobra plane, yeah. we have to see the parachutes. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we're, our eyes and our minds are sort of trained to, oh, this is animation, it has to be a certain way. Right. But I think with this, like they don't have those rules here. This is a different thing. This is not for kids per se. It's mm -hmm. on a streaming network. So it's not surprising that they can have the same level of violence and implied death that the Marvel movies have. You know, right. they don't, they, they very specifically for the most part, except for maybe a trickle of blood here or maybe like a red shirt here, you don't see blood. Like when Steve gets shot at the beginning, uh, yeah. it's, it's all in silhouette. So there's implied death. We see explosions. We see tanks mm -hmm. blow up. We understand that there are Nazis in there. We see her take people out, but we don't see her like, you know, brutally like mauling somebody. She's not King right. Shark in Suicide Squad. <laughs> no. No, but that snap of the knee on uh, the huge oh, yeah. German—that was. <laughs> Ooh, that did not feel good. Let me tell you something. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt yeah, for sure. Okay, we cut to Peggy and Steve mapping out a plan because Bucky and the hundred seventh have been taken prisoner. I guess Steve grabs her hand and says he owes her one, and she says he owes her a dance. Boom. We move to Captain Carter hijacking a motorcycle, which is great. Her running alongside a motorcycle knocks this dude off and takes it and uh, and kicks the crap out of. And I said and kills even more Nazis, freeing the hundred seventh. Uh, dumb dumb Dugan making a couple of comments about when did women learn to fight this way. Captain Carter asks for Bucky and Sebastian Stan, ladies and gentlemen, steps forward. Mm -hmm. That voice is to ask if she's the Queen of England. She rips the door <laughs> off and he's like, okay, that's cool. Yep, whatever you want. Cool. Uh, uh, we're going to go. Uh, they escape and they're taking some enemy fire. Oh, Oh, I want to ask you. Yeah, we'll get to that. They're taking some enemy fire when Captain Carter asks for air support. And suddenly we hear Steve Rogers' voice come over the comms to say he's inbound. And we finally get the reveal of what Stark was working on at the end of the last section where we stopped here. It's the first Iron Man suit. It was 1.30 in the morning when I was watching this episode. And I, I let out a yelp <laughs> when I saw that Iron Man. Suit. I was so happy to see it being powered by the Tesseract. I just wrote, that is awesome. Uh, Dum Dum Dugan calls it a Hydra Stomper. Peggy and Steve work together to take out those enemy tanks. They stop and Steve moves. Uh, oh, and Steve comes out of the Hydra Stomper to lead the boys in a cheer for Peggy Carter. She says, hey, leave the cheering until after we're done and we win the war. There's a war to fight. And then we cut to a montage, which I love this montage, of Peggy and Steve fighting the Nazis and Hydra together, set to some swinging 40s music, with Colonel Flynn all of a sudden taking all the credit there in the SSR. Uh -huh. Shannon, so much happens here in this, in this section of the show that I really enjoy. Talk to me about what you thought about this as we see Peggy coming into her own Steve Rogers now uh, coming into the fray Sebastian Stan Bucky Barnes getting introduced and the Howling Commandos 
Well, again, as she kind of catches up with that, with the one German officer who's riding the <laughs> motorcycle. And again, you see that joy on her face. Like, yeah. ah, this is nice. Bang. <laughs> and then what I really liked about her busting into the Hydra plant was in the first Avenger, it was at night. And this right. is during the day. So at night, mm -hmm. Bucky has been taken and he has been experimented on. Mm -hmm. During the day, that hasn't happened yet. So oh, the fact that... Good point. So <laughs> also that Bucky, you know, pre pre Winter Soldier Bucky, Bucky was a you know, he he was a little yeah. snarky. So he says the same thing that uh I think what is it, Hodge, who who says it calls Peggy the Queen of England. Right. Um, and, and and this time she actually has the I mean she does have the Union Jack on her, but she's yeah, also true. able to rip the iron bars off of a jail cell. And the moment that Steve shows up. Um, I love the fact that the that it was army green because that's yeah. that's the color it would have been in the military. I mean, it yep. basically looked like it looks sort of like a, like a uh, like a like a G one transformer. It's like it's just <laughs> yeah. it's almost like the, the grill of a jeep. Um, watching Peggy and Steve kick ass together was yeah. so much fun. And then as the you know the top opens and he he kind of crawls out and does the same thing that Bucky did for him in First Avenger, which is immediately like, let's hear it for Captain Carter, uh, just just put a gigantic smile on my face. The one thing, and this is and this is a this is a me thing, the one thing that I wish we would have heard Howard say to Steve is the reason he can be in that is because he's little. As a little guy. Yeah. Oh, here, here's one for the little guys out there, buddy. Oh shit. Rudy. Oh. Rudy. <laughs> Oh, don't bring Rudy into this. Uh, Michael, uh, talk to me about this sequence. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned uh, um, Howard Stark there, Shannon. I forgot he's on the comms with Steve and this whole thing. But, Michael, I meant to ask you in the last section, did you sense what Stark was working on? Did you guess it before you saw it in this section? And tell me what you thought of this overall I section mean, of the show. I'd seen enough trailers that I knew that that, I mean, I was like, all right, I think, oh. I mean, I think we see it. I, I, so I, I, knew, I knew that that was the way it was going to go. But I do, all right. again, I love it. <laughs> I love the idea that no matter what, Steve Rogers was going to be a hero. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a super soldier serum or the iron suit or anything, that like Steve Rogers has the heart of a hero and was always going to be a hero one way or the other. And I really, really just love that. I, I really didn't think, I you know, when, when Bucky was there with the other prisoners, I didn't actually put two and two together, which Shannon just pointed out to me, which I think is a very cool detail. Yeah. Uh, that we were like, she just got there a little bit earlier than Steve did, which I kind of think mm -hmm. is really, yeah. really neat. Um, I love the whole scene with it. Like, look, Peggy and Steve fighting together is beautiful. And they, they, they mentioned the whole dance thing, but also literally... This is a dance. I mean, yeah. the choreography of this fight, the way it's spitting around all the things that are happening, they're working together, they are perfectly in sync. Like, this is their dance. This yeah. is their first dance. And I think like, it's one of the, it's great when a moment can like make the, uh, the masculine side of my body go, yeah, that's awesome action. Oh, big explosions. And the feminine side of my body is like, they love each other so much. And they're, it's like, and all fly, all, all cylinders firing at the same time. Like, it's just, it's just really, really, really great. And yeah, the, the let's hear it for Captain Carter is awesome. And then I just watched that montage with a giant smile on my face. First of all, you can't have a first Avenger movie without a montage. Cause yeah. you got like, it's it's just like the movie. You gotta have that thing, but holy shit, what a great montage. I mean, yeah. the music was great. 
the all the action with them is great. I mean, her taking out those airplanes is awesome. Uh, you know, Steve writing "Hello from Brooklyn" on the Hydra Stomper, great <laughs> detail. Like every piece of this montage just made you. It it did what a great montage is supposed to do is. Even though this is a you know about a thirty minute episode, you were fully invested and believed that this yeah. team just just tore through that war. Uh, it was just delightful to watch. Yeah, I think Emma Michael points out something really uh, uh, well. Really, just I hadn't thought of this. I guess is mm. is is this they dance more in this version of their reality than they did in the live action version. So when we get to this ending, it's even more of a powerful loss for Steve Rogers. because they've actually had the time to build this relationship in battle and outside of battle, which hadn't even occurred to me until Michael was talking about it. What do you think about this section, their interactions here, and obviously how Peggy is coming into her own as this Captain Carter character? Yeah, I I mean, as I already mentioned, I think that Mm. the relationship between Peggy and Steve is one of the greatest things about the MCU at large uh, and certainly showcased incredibly well here. And I think that, you know, I think, Mike, you brought up the point of this idea that Steve Rogers was going to be a hero no matter what, because he was a heroic person. And it's in it's interesting to see him in this sort of prototype Iron Man uh, role, because again, it's like, he's he's so different from who Tony Stark is, who we know to be mm. Iron Man eventually, right. but like seeing him fill that role in that, it almost brings up another what if of like, oh, Iron Man could have been a totally different thing, even right. though like fundamentally yes. it's the same. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, and it's this, this very, uh, copacetic relationship between your super soldier character and your Iron Man character who are at once a team and already communicating, cooperating and working Mm. side by side. So you almost wonder like, maybe this would have been better. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, They had that relationship ahead of time. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I love a battle couple. Um, And uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, seeing the two of them, fight side by side was great, but I also feel that that was already uh, true to who they were as characters, Mm -hmm. even as regular Steve Rogers and and Peggy Carter, even with him being Captain America and her just being Agent Carter, that they always had that relationship of supporting one another, but it was really nice to see that they got to extend that here. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And also just really quickly, I I think it's worth noting that the ease with which the roles are reversed. Yes. Like in yes. Captain America, yes. in Captain America, Steve Rogers is the guy. He's the big right. super soldier. He's the hero. And and Peggy Carter, as as wonderful as she is in her own right and as capable as she is in her own right, she fulfills the role of sort of I'm I'm supporting Captain America, right. both uh, both from a friendship level, emotionally. I'm the I'm the backup. I'm going to help him get what he needs. And here the roles are reversed. And it just works super fine. Like Steve yeah. Rogers, it doesn't diminish him at all to be like, I'm I'm helping Pet. What does Peggy need? Like both in the iron suit where he's exactly. helping her in the field, but also in all these scenes in the bars and when they're talking and just having these conversations. Like he is the most supportive dude. And he ha- he's like he he. There's no bitterness. There's no I should have been the super soldier. They didn't they didn't play oh, any of that because that's not who Steve I, is. Yeah, and I really loved that and appreciated yeah. that. And again, yeah. if they had done it, it would not have made sense. Like, and that's the right. thing is that not getting the super soldier serum versus getting the super soldier serum does 
not change who Steve Rogers is right, as a right. person. And he does. And we're getting to that moment where they have a little bit of exchange about that for sure. Yeah. Let's move into the sex, next section. We head back to Red Skull. A Nazi officer is informing Red Skull that Hitler wants him in Berlin. Red, School ref, Red Skull refuses to inform him that a god takes no orders from a man, shoots him, and removes his human skin to show his Red Skull. Uh, he says the Third Reich will fall and Hydra will rise up in its ashes. We go back to Steve and Peggy who are sharing a drink. Steve wants to know what it's like to have the serum, to have taken the serum, what it likes to feel inside of her to have the serum running through her. Uh, she says some things have changed for her. She's no longer screaming to be heard, to be seen, to be allowed in the room. Mm -hmm. And Steve interjects to be respected, which I think is a really nice moment because he understands his way of like understanding a little bit of coming towards the understanding of what it must be like for her or have been for her for quite some time. Steve says it must be nice, but he's just a guy in a suit. And she, in this little glimpse of self-pity, Peggy picks up his spirits and says, he's her hero and then tries to backtrack Aww. it a little bit uh and, and and he says no no she's his hero too and they move in to kiss when howard stark of all people interrupts with it since when is howard stark a cock blocker for god's sakes anyway interrupts with bucky who's rolling by in a jeep we cut to the train operation that's happening in the snow that is obviously the same train scene we see from the first avengers different chronological order here bucky makes some crack about the idea this operation can end the war and peggy calls him out for being afraid of trains and sebastian stan's animation just goes oh, yeah maybe uh, they, they, <laughs> i love that uh, they land on the train through a zip line and uh, uh bucky almost falls off the train peggy pulls him back onto it and this is a shannon mcclung moment hey you almost pulled my arm off get it uh steve heads in sees the explosives on the train which looks like it's a trap before he can warn Peggy and them, the explosions go off. Peggy and the team jump off the train, but Steve falls down the mountain with the train, is buried underneath an avalanche just for good measure. Then we cut to Peggy listening to Flynn and Stark fighting over the loss. She gets upset, says his name was Steve Rogers, and walks away. Flynn makes another misogynistic comment. She interrogates Zola after him saying he's not going to tell her anything. Oh, he tells her everything. She reveals that Red Skull wants to open an inter interdimensional or wants to create an or bring about an interdimensional force that will lead Hydra to world domination or to ending the world. Then we go to Castle de Krieg in the Black Forest. That is where he is at. She says, Peggy does, that they need to burn that castle to the ground. They might not win the war, but they'll stop Hydra. Howard tries to beg off, but Peggy ain't having it. We might need someone to push a button. All right, Mikey, <laughs> this is an awesome section as well of this episode that I really enjoyed. The train scene, uh, her interrogating Zola, her sadness uh, at losing Steve, like Steve yeah. when he loses Bucky. So much here. Talk to me about this section of the show, man. Um, well, first, I just love, I mean, you, you did a good job recapping it, but I just love that scene with Steve and Peggy in the bar. I mean, yeah. it's so beautiful. It's such like, 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 we, I, like we really do, they double down on this connection between them in this half hour animated thing in a way that I don't know that we even fully got all of that in the first Avenger. Like this, yeah. this, this relationship between the two of them is so lovely and these scenes yeah. are so good. And man, Howard Stark coming in and varicking it up. Uh, and also like, did anybody else like, he, he runs up and he's like, yo guys, Bucky stole a Jeep, let's go. Was anybody else like, well, fuck the rest of this episode. I want to know where the fuck those four went on the Jeep. <laughs> That's that, what if what if we followed them and it was like the best night out ever. Um, but so like all just really, really, really fun stuff. I also just loved stupid little I, I, when animation does like little silly things. Like I love that the end of that scene like was just this weird iris out with the 1940s music. Yeah. Like just like is like it felt like the end of an episode or the end of a chapter, and it was just really kind of fun and silly. Um, 
the trains that the the, the, uh, the sorry the red skull scene was interesting mm. like i was talking to somebody else about this and the f- part of the fun of a what if is the domino effect like every time something yeah. changes it forces everyone else to change like uh peggy got the tesseract so hydra doesn't build weapons like there's no zola like zola's already yeah. been captured so red skull goes to the next level which is i need to get the tesseract back and unlock this portal to find this inter- interdimensional being he still kills some nazis he still says he's gonna like the third reich is bigger than Hy- the hydra's bigger than the third reich but his plan has changed and so when you get to the train scene which is the exact same scene that we saw from the first avenger the train is now a trap is a trap to right, get exactly. the tesseract back yes. which it wasn't in the first mm-hmm. avenger so it's again it's like it's taking the things that we know but every time one decision is made it makes another decision another decision another decision so things that are familiar now have a different context or a different meaning and i think that's just really 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 neat and really interesting to me mm-hmm. um then yeah well afterwards you know i do love the whole like Colonel Flynn and Howard Stark arguing about the Hydra Stomper, Peggy being like he has a name. And yeah, like, again, just echoing, like Bradley Whitford could just play a villain for the rest of his, and and never like a malevolent villain, just a douchey asshole. Just a douchey asshole. Mm -hmm. Like Bradley Whitford is the best douchey asshole out there, I would say. (laughs) Um, And yeah, you get that. And I I also love, I thought of Shannon for this part, uh, you know, when she does give that great speech about going to the castle and we might not survive and we might not make it, that Captain America theme comes on, that music, that music comes in underneath her speech and you're like, you could put that you could put that music under anything and you would get me to go anywhere. You could be like, we're gonna go to Taco Bell tonight and if you played the Captain America music (laughs) underneath, I'd be like, Crunchwrap Supreme! It's great. (laughs) Don't get it with chicken. That's not so good. Emma, uh, talk to me about this whole sequence here. Uh, there's some, some great action moments, but of course, a little bit more of this relationship with Steve and uh, and Peggy Carter. Yeah, I did just want to say, I feel like um, Flynn has definitely, you, you know, he, he could have a nice home on Hayward Island. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Emma Fife. <laughs> That's totally fair. That's totally fair. He's, 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 he's gonna swim. He's gonna swim past Starro Reef and make camp on Hayward Island. It's gonna be great. Uh, yes. Uh, but anyway, no. As I've said a bazillion times, the the Steve and Peggy stuff here was so so great. Uh, her slip up when she said, "You're my hero," and then him coming back at her with, "No, you're my oh god, I just love it. That was great. Uh, very invested. I ship it." Um, uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, again, like it, it is interesting to see the the domino effect of how everything changes, and so mm. much of this is is about the fact that, like, you have this character of Peggy Carter, who again, even though in this instance, she is a superhero. She still remains very true to who that character is. And so mm-hmm. it, it's fun to, throughout these sequences, get to see her be in a situation wherein, and this and this harkens to the conversation that she has with Steve Rogers of this idea of, I don't have to fight to be seen or heard yeah. anymore, which is something that Peggy Carter always had to do. Yeah. Right. And that Peggy Carter always did because she knew that she was capable and she was valuable and that like she was smarter than everybody mm-hmm. uh and now she's she's capable and valuable and smarter than everybody and also stronger than everybody and it's but it also is this really interesting sort of uh uh it makes you kind of take a look at it and go okay well the only way that she was able to be taken seriously by men is to be like 
physically on yeah. the level of men. Great point. Great point, Emma. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a very relevant theme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, yeah. And uh, Shannon, great action sequences here. Uh, the train stuff is funny. The Bucky, is, I only make that as a dad joke, right? You almost pull my arm off. Get it? Uh, that's why I was making the reference to you. What did you think about all this section of the show and the more of the Red Skull stuff that we get here uh, that mirrors what we got in, in First Avenger with him going like Hail Hydra with his crew uh, saying they're going to rise above the Third Reich? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was, as as Vogel pointed out, sort of that domino effect, that mm. uh, Hydra as an entity existed before they got their hands on the Tesseract. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, Schmidt was already making plans to supplant the, you know, the supplant Hitler. Um, mm. So the fact that, uh, you know, he, he probably rose through the ranks because he's smart. And this plan didn't work. Well, I've got to go, you know, i got to pivot. i got to go this way. And because he has studied the old gods and all that he would know he would have he would have multiple options mm -hmm. um love the bar scene between steve and peggy again yeah. i can't probably say anything better than emma and mike I already have i do think that bucky stole that jeep and they were looking for a late night fondue someplace um <laughs> then when they got to the train when peggy said to bucky i i just think you don't like trains mm. um there was a moment i was just like well bucky was the one who made rogers go on the cyclone at coney island but maybe bucky's kind of afraid of yeah. might be afraid of roller coasters in the aftermath of that as well uh loved the action sequence of the hydra stomper you know stopping the train and you've seen that it was basically a trap mm -hmm. um which was so heartbreaking um the one uh critique that i had okay when uh when it looked like the the snow was about to collapse on them and bucky was the one who said we gotta go i think that line should have been dugan because i think that minimizes the effect oh. of bucky on bucky. Okay. Oh. because okay. at that point like that is his best friend we've seen how steve reacted yeah. to yeah. bucky's That's loss yeah. that that should have been dugan that's um, a good note that's yeah. a good note i agree with that but then afterwards out to ac bradley afterwards yeah go ahead yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. but then watching the plan coming together um and peggy getting to throw that you're lucky to be in the room back at yeah. Flynn, again very yeah. satisfying yeah. what did you uh, yeah and uh, yeah i agree with everything you all said i want to throw in also i love the fact that they gave peggy the uh rousing speech moment right yeah. encouraging oh, yeah. everybody getting everybody squared away and saying look we might not we might some of us might not make it back but we are gonna stop hydra, stop hydra one way or another and it doesn't feel like it's like it's desperate to get her boyfriend back. It doesn't feel mm -hmm. like this is no, about no, no, no. handling business. And it, I love that they they played that color instead of the revenge color or the angry color. It's more of a matter of there's a bigger picture here and we need to handle this. And yes, if we can, because she doesn't even know if Steve's alive, we got to take care yeah. of business here and handle it. I love that they gave her that. And Shannon, you're absolutely right. Her getting to go back at Flynn and be like, you even look, you're in the motherfucking room. <laughs> I love that. I love Well, that. and I, I think, too, that, again, that's very true to who Peggy Carter is yes. as a character. And that's why she and Steve Rogers are such a good match for each other, because mm -hmm. they aren't motivated by revenge. Right. 
You know, yeah, I mean, or, or keep competition in mind. with each other, or competition yeah, I mean, with each other, yeah. And keep in mind, in our reality, I mean, Steve went down. She lost the love of her life before she ever got to dance with him. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. did she do? She went and fucking built Shield. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she, <laughs> she, yeah. exactly. There was still, there was still shit to be done, and Peggy Carter did it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it was more the don't let don't let his sacrifice be in vain. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the the Howard Stark moment of when he's like, you know, I'm not really a. <laughs> a little shadow boxing moment just beautiful yeah oh we're gonna you're gonna push some buttons here Howard. all right so we cut to the castle and uh peggy is jumping in fighting these nazis with the 107th they split up uh, they don't call them the howling commandos but it certainly feels like the howling yeah. commandos yeah. uh because they're all around the room there in this last section and i'd say yes let's do it i'm in let's go let's do this thing so she's essentially rolling in there with the howling commandos and bucky they split up to go high and go low Red Skull has put the Tesseract in his machine, turns it on, opening an interdimensional portal. Bucky and the commandos break into another room to see the Hydra Stomper there being held up. And uh, Peggy and Howard, meanwhile, break into Red Skull's chamber and see these massive tentacles coming out of that portable portal just as red but just as red skull has informed them they are too late to stop him the tentacle creature grabs him and crushes him to death in its tentacles i did not see that coming um peggy realizes hey well maybe we might need a plan in this situation that not just not just having a shield is enough of a plan we head back to the commandos who and we see steve huddled in the corner kind of in just kind of recovering there Uh, steve Mm -hmm. says steve says to bucky you gotta get me in the suit and they put him in the suit. They use the generator to power up the suit with him in it. In it, it looks like it's failed. And then suddenly gets up. Uh, he asks Bucky where Peggy is. He and he says she went high. And he flies off to help her. And these tentacles are starting to grow. Now as we go to that room, Howard says if he can get to the console, he can reverse the polarity and science stuff, which I didn't understand. Then Peggy jumps him over there. Peggy fights off the creature with her strength and a sword, just as Howard is figuring this thing out that's all in German, makes some funny joke about Hedy Lamar. Uh, for those of you old-timers who get that joke, just as she's getting pulled in, Steve shows up to help. The thing fights back and lets loose a yell that stops everyone cold. Steve flies the commandos out because that yell is just piercing, flies back in just as Peggy is pushing the creature back into the interdimensional port. Steve runs out of juice in his uh, Iron Man suit and uh, climbs out of it. And as she's pushing the uh, tentacles into this port, uh, he says what they have an, they have an exchange about a dance just as she pushes the creature through and the portal explodes, leaving just the Tesseract. And I love this wide shot of a heartbroken Steve Rogers holding that thing, sitting there uh, in the destroyed castle. We cut to the Tesseract in another time, opening another portal, and Captain Carter and pieces of these tentacles fly out. She meets Nick Fury and Hawkeye, and yes, that's Samuel L. Jackson and Jeremy Renner. Fury informs her that the war was 70 years ago, asks if she's okay, and she kind of softly but powerfully says, of course, we won the war. Uh, Then the Watcher chimes in about his stories and that he cannot and will not interfere and the episode ends. Emma, you started us out. End us out. What did you think oh, of this the whole last section of the episode? It, I, as heartbreaking as it was, oh. I loved the way that it came around mm-hmm. to Peggy and Steve getting separated no matter what and it not being the exact same thing as mm-hmm. it was in Captain America First Avenger where, you know, but also that, I think either one of these characters has this willingness to sacrifice themselves, mm-hmm. which we see through both of them throughout this sequence. And the whole thing with, I, I mean, 
the the tentacle monster just ganked in oh. Red Skull <laughs> was like what? <laughs> yeah, I was so shocked. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I, I I love a I love a villain who thinks that they can control things that they cannot. Uh, and it's good to see them get their due, uh, which mm. we definitely got to see in this episode of the Red Skull. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, like it, the way that they sort of domino effect and the parallels between the real timeline and the what if timeline and the way that everything comes together. And also just to see again that, you know, Steve feels like a fish out of water when we meet him again in the first Avengers movie mm, and he's right. in the present day. And Peggy is also in the present day, suddenly having to navigate the fact that she missed out on 70 years of her life. But again, it comes back to both of these characters are more concerned with like the greater good and the well-being of others than mm. they are for themselves even though they have this tremendous amount of love for one another and it just seems that 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 love is it's it's too pure for, <laughs> to, to have a happy ending well, or, or a happy ending easily anyway <laughs> there's something there's something just really great about tragic perfect love it's yeah, just there's something yeah. about it you know it it, 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 it latches on to you as a viewer yeah. uh and and doesn't let you go and it makes it memorable it makes yeah. certainly makes it memorable uh, shannon what do you think about this whole section uh, uh overall here a lot of you stuff right? going on with, what, are you okay uh, you okay, going, Emma? Uh, are you all right all right well yeah yeah definitely shannon please talk to us about it uh if you can about this whole sequence here and yeah pretty sad moment there at the end for steve but peggy to emma's point peggy seems like when she comes out of it, she seems like she's going to be okay to handle the situation a little more than maybe Steve was. Uh, and I like that they put that color on her for the last exchange with Nick Fury and having uh, uh, Hawkeye be the one who knows that it's Captain Carter. So maybe he's got the yeah. set of collectible action cards uh, that Coulson <laughs> had maybe. Uh, wh what did you think about this whole uh, sequence here to end the show, my man? Uh, before I get into the emotional stuff of Steve and Peggy that will probably make yeah. me cry, uh, I'll just I'll talk more Howard Stark <laughs> because okay. again, just some great moments when he sees those tentacles for the first time and it crushes Red Skull. Just his whoa, <laughs> his reaction <laughs> was so funny. And to yeah. Emma's point, like Red Skull thinking he can control things that he can't, it's the same thing in First Avenger when he picks up that tesseract yep. and All it right. zaps him into space. I mean, both mm -hmm. times. His downfall is his uh, hubris, yeah. and ultimately, like that's why that's why he across multiple multiple timelines he won't win uh, because he doesn't have enough respect for the power. Right. Getting to well, <laughs> when Steve gets in the suit, like the guys find him, he gets in the suit. He asks, "Where's Peggy?" You know, she went high. No moment. I mean, there's not a moment yep. of a prep. Boom! He just takes off. It's just yeah. so like, oh, my, that's just, that's love. Yeah. Um, and then when he shows up and Peggy says, Steve, and Howard Stark says, I told you it was indestructible. <laughs> just so, so funny. But yeah. yeah, I mean, her literally shoulder checking this. I mean, do we do we think it's Shuma Gorath? I mean, the, the tentacle monster. Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Um, her shoulder checking this, you know, this this beast back into the portal, and you get to see again that that mirror to First Avenger of them making making the dates, and it just, you know, when the portal vanishes, you just see oh, just on his face, like wow. oh, she's gone, and then 
him uh, or uh, her showing up. And, you know, we don't know how the passage of time works with the with the space stone. Like, we don't know how long she was gone. We just know that she was in the middle of cutting off this thing's tentacles and she lands like she's still mid battle. Yeah. At this right. point. And then she sees these two dudes who she doesn't know, but they know her. And then they tell her that war that you were fighting that ended, you know, what, 70 years ago or something. Just so, so well done. This first episode, I mean, it's the crack of the bat. Like, it was just such a home run. Yeah, the, symb- the symbolism of her using the sword, too, as a British hero. There's something about the sword harkening back, you know, to the times of Britain using the swords, the fights that we've come to hear about in, in you know, in Shakespeare plays and in history books about those. I love that they added the sword element to Peggy as she's fighting off these uh, this uh, interdimensional tentacle being, tentacled being. Michael, what do you think about this whole ending uh, overall, this uh, kind of solidifying of the relationship we've been building to? This feels more of a devastating loss then Captain America, First Avenger, because of the time we got with them. And what did you think about Red Skull? And then this final ending with her ending up there with Nick yeah. Fury and Hawkeye. Uh, it, was, it was all fantastic. It was an amazing mm. action sequence. One of the things that I always appreciate as a writer, uh, and Marvel movies do this really well, and the, be- and the best Star Wars movies do this well, mm-hmm. uh, the, is, the, is the having a big epic battle with big stakes that still makes the time and space for really funny moments. Yes. Um, so, for example, like Shannon was saying, like when Steve gets in that suit, he does take off after a beat, but the first beat is, all right, guys, I'm going to do this. And he steps out and it's just like clonk. And there's this beat. And then Bucky's like, yeah, anytime now, Steve. And it's just, it's this really, really funny moment. The whole thing, you know, like Howard, Howard Stark going from the, hey, I don't know if I want to go into battle. I'm just the guy that punches the buttons. And then Peggy's like, come on, Howard, there might be a button for you to punch. And then there is, in fact, a button that he needs to punch. Like, it's all just the setup, the setup and delivery of all these bits is really, really, really good. It's a ton of fun. Uh, I echo what Shannon said. Like, when Red Skull went down, it was a shocking moment. I wasn't prepared for it. But then I was instantly like, yeah, of course, it's the Tesseract all over again, just with Mm -hmm. tentacles. Um, we can talk tentacles in a minute because I think we should address that because I think that's part okay. of the bigger the bigger picture. But I think yeah, like echoing what everybody said. Look, there are certain things in stories that just work for you at a very root level. And Steve making the sacrifice and missing his dance with Peggy Carter was so important to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that it is the end of Endgame. Like mm-hmm. Steve and Peggy dancing as the end of a decade of superhero movies and every single one of us was like, yeah, that's right. That is, that is right. That's what I want. And so this moment, it's just like, it's ingrained in us now. Like, and it, and it doesn't matter. Steve can be the one making the sacrifice play. Peggy can be the one making the sacrifice play. One of them's going to make the sacrifice play. And the other one's going to be like, yeah, we're, we're going to miss our date. We got to dance. And you're like, yep, I'll see you next Saturday. Save a dance for me. And you are just gutted. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful moment. I particularly loved, um, Peggy, when she shows up, uh, I'm assuming it's around 2012 or so, because I think no. that's when the first Avengers movie came out. Cause that room that she shows up in looks pretty much identical yeah. to where Loki shows up in the first Avengers movie coming out of the Tesseract. So right. I, it very much looks like they are, she's circa the Avengers movie. 
Um, and even to the point, like when Loki comes out of the Tesseract in Avengers, I think one of the first things Nick Fury says is put down the spear. I mean, put down, yeah, put down the spear. Yeah. And when Peggy comes out, he's like, put down the sword. I mean, it yeah. is very much, it is very much going like, this is that moment from Marvel. And that, and that's why Hawkeye's there. I mean, cause that's, mm-hmm. those are the two along with Maria Hill that are there in that room. So I think mm-hmm. again, the way that they're taking the different pieces and weaving them together. I also, as soon as she popped out and Nick Fury came forward, I was like, in my head, I was like, huh. I wonder if that means that Steve Rogers started Shield. Mm. Like I was like I was like I wonder, and I don't know that we're going to come back to this story. I hope okay. we do. I, I don't. I don't know if we're going to get more, but it's like, well, it would stand to reason that Howard and Steve and maybe maybe yeah. Flynn the asshole came around. Like I don't know, but like I'm like you know, it's like it's like who were Howard Stark's the only constant. Tommy Lee Jones got shot. Peggy Carter's here now. So who was yeah. it that started Shield? Because clearly it got started. Um, so I thought that was all interesting, and then uh, we can go around a little bit, but I do think we should talk about uh, those tentacles and Bring it what up. they Bring possibly it. Go ahead. mean. Go ahead, go ahead. So, yeah, so, as, well, Shannon, you brought it up first. Do you want to give us a little uh, tentacle theorizing? Tinfoil well, no, tin tin tentacles? You know it better than I do, so yeah. I will let you take it away. So in the Marvel comics, there is a character uh, named uh, Shuma Garath, uh, who is a giant one-eyed tentacled creature uh, who is ru- who is a Doctor Strange villain who is also rumored to potentially be in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, and he is a villain who terrorizes the multiverse. Uh, so when um, when this when this portal opened up and this giant tentacled creature came through, uh, you know, one of my first thoughts was a is that Shumagaroth, and b is this sort of one of the things that's going to tie these what ifs together? I haven't seen uh, anything more than the first episode. I know Johnny's seen the first uh, three episodes. Yes, but I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything because I don't Ooh. want you to get upset with me. Oh, I don't want you to say anything. I'm yeah. just saying. But so I don't here's, know how much. Here's the tentacle thing that you're talking there, about. There is, there is a Roy. In its full glory. Yeah, go ahead. Mike. Um, so I don't know if maybe this idea of Shuma Garoth, uh is going to maybe tie some of these stories together. Are mm. we going to see these tentacles showing up in other episodes? Uh, is this going to tie into the multiverse of madness? Is this why we might potentially see Captain Carter in a live action format. Mm. So I'm just curious, but it definitely seemed like that was where things were leaning, um, which then got me thinking about multiverses and nexus beings and all of this stuff. So a bunch of things that I think we'll hopefully be talking about for the next 10 weeks as we see all of these amazing what if episodes. I love it. I love it. And I, I don't know. I know I've seen the first three episodes. I can say this. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, Captain Carter comes back later on mm-hmm. in the what if episodes. I wonder, because uh, she's not in the next two. That's I don't think that's a big spoiler. She's not in the next two, but she, I wonder if she'll come back in the next ones. We shall see. Um, How many episodes do we know for sure? I think it's 12. It's 10. Is it 12? 10. Is it 10? I think it's, okay. I think it's 10, 10 episodes. Okay. 10 episodes, and then we know that there's a second season coming. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, already announced for sure. Emma, any final words on this episode before we wrap up? You know, uh, good start. That's all I have. <laughs> Anything? Uh, yep, agree with Emma. Great start, and knowing that the next episode is T'Challa. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be hard. I, I, I can tell you right now that even just thinking about that for next week, I already kind of get teary eyed a little bit. Like it's gonna. That's gonna be tough. I teared my, up twice. Uh, the, the other night, I my my girlfriend doesn't love all the Marvel stuff. She loves some of it. So she had didn't know what what if was. I was like, oh well, let's pull up YouTube and watch the trailer. And I was trying to describe it. And the moment that you see in, from the marketing him come forward and take off the Star Lord helmet, I'm like, so this, mm, yeah. so this, mm, 
<laughs> um, like just trying to get it out that this was yeah. Chadwick Boseman's last, one of his last performances and his last performances to Chala. I was like, I, I think next week, I have no doubt it'll be awesome, but I imagine it will also be a, a bit emotional as well. I echo the the word of all the critics that I think that have seen the first three episodes along with me, and that's the favorite of their three. And I agree, it is. It is an incredible episode. You guys are in for a treat next week for sure. Yeah. We'll be back to review it uh, and uh, uh, do a spoiler review for it as well here on the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for watching this uh, uh, spoiler review episode of episode one of What If. Uh, Shannon, what are we going to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey? Uh, look, if you are Jeffrey Wright and you're the watcher, then you can just watch and you don't have to interfere. But if you are not the watcher, we need your help and we need uh, you to interfere so that we can keep doing awesome Geek Buddy stuff. Uh, so if you could hit that like button below, we would very much appreciate it. Just do it right now. I know you think you're going to do it later. You're not. Just do it right now while I'm saying it. Just click that like button. Uh, subscribe to John's Outlaw Nation page. He's got a lot of amazing content. Obviously, all of this awesome Geek Buddy stuff, but tons of other stuff, too, for you to check out. Um, leave us comments below. What did you think of this episode? What do you think? Are these things going to be connected? Is it Shumagaroth? What was your favorite part? Did you love seeing Peggy and Steve's relationship unfold this way? Did you think Howard Stark was Varric from Legend of Korra? Because we certainly did. Uh, and if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely leave us some stars and some uh, comments there too. It helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And of course, if you could retweet this video, tell people to check it out, say that we have all the best information on What If and that we are the place where the coolest conversations are happening so that more people will come check us out, we would very much appreciate it. Yeah, let's get us up there. I mean, we've been doing this over a year now. We've delivered some incredible reviews uh, for some shows. Get us to the 40,000, 60,000, 100,000 views range. We need to get there. Your one help. billion. That's what I want, just one billion. Uh, and Emma, thanks again for joining us. Please let people know where they can find you. Of course, yeah. I am uh, at Emma Fife all over the internet. That's me. Uh, and yeah, I got some stuff coming up uh, on the Fandom Games YouTube channel. Uh, so that should be out a piece that I wrote and did voiceover for should be out next week. So awesome. Oh, yeah. there you go. Look for that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> follow her and all the stuff she does. Emma's always great on her, uh, in anything that she does and on her shows as well. All right. Thanks guys, again. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here on the geek buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.